What's up, y'all? It's your girl, the Fox Mall, aka Chicago Sound Fox, back with another episode. And this one is about Black History Month. Usually we get 28 days of Black History, but this year, 2024, we got 29 days. Yay! I don't know about y'all, but I'm going to take the extra day, okay? Because it only comes around every four years, right? All right, so we're going to start off today by saying that Happy Black History Month. It is the very last day of Black History Month. And I felt that it was only fitting for me to just throw some random facts out there. Um, I couldn't find much that I didn't already know or that you all already didn't know. So, I just put up a few things and tried to do as much fact-checking as I could. So, bear with me. And if I got anything wrong, please feel free to reach out to us on our Instagram page at What Does the Fox Say Podcast. William Tucker was the first African child born in the colonies in 1624. I didn't know that. Vermont was the first colony to ban slavery in 1777. Wow. I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this next person's last name correct, but here it goes. Anthony Benazet or Bonazet? I'm not sure established the first school for African-American children in the 1700s. We all know Jackie Robinson, but this fact came up anyway, so I figured it'd be interesting enough to say. Jackie Robinson became the first black baseball player for the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1947, integrating Major League Baseball for the very first time. Historically Black Colleges and Universities, also known as HBCUs, provided a safe haven for German Jews after World War II. Now, let me just say that I am so grateful for the HBCUs. Unfortunately, I did not know much about them when I was growing up. Um, I believe we did some college tours when uh, I was, I think we did one college tour. I know one for sure when I was a part of Fellowship Missionary Baptist on 49th and Princeton. I'm not sure if uh, Charles Jenkins is still the pastor there, but he was when I was there. And uh, I was a part of Second Wave Youth Choir and church and uh, we did a college tour I remember vaguely going to the uh, university in Urbana Urbana Illinois I don't even recall the name of it I'm not gonna lie did not do any fact checking on that one because it was so long ago but uh yeah I wish I had known because I attempted to go to a city college in Chicago And I dropped out after, what, a semester and a half because I wanted to 
be able to afford my living. And unfortunately, I could not do that and go to school at the same time. Or I would have been homeless. (laughs) So, yeah. And it sucks for a minimum wage in Chicago. So, I couldn't afford to do both. Unless you have roommates and I didn't trust living with roommates. But that has nothing to do with black history. (laughs) Anyway, uh, back to the uh, facts. I found the Charleston Hospital strike in 1969. The Memphis Sanitation Strike was in 1968. The Greenville Library Disintegration Oh, wait, no, I'm definitely saying that wrong. The Greenfield Library Desegration Crisis, 1960. The North Lake Little Rock High School Desegration Crisis, 1957. Genesis in 2006. Um, the lynching of Laura and L.D. Nelson in 1911. In case you didn't already know, the creator of Black History Month was historian Carter G. Woodson, often referred to as the father of Black history. Uh, He was notably the second African-American to graduate from Harvard University with a doctorate degree and is accredited with being one of the first scholars to study and research the history of African-Americans. William Tucker was the first known black person to be born in the 13 colonies. He was born in Jamestown, Virginia in 1624, according to blackpast.org. His parents were indentured servants and part of the first group of Africans brought to the colonies by the soil, uh, colony soil by, by Great Britain. After years of remarkable work as an attorney, Thurgood Marshall became the first African-American to serve in the United States Supreme Court. Officially noted by President Lyndon B. Johnson in 1967, he served as justice until 1991. In 1954, John Mercer Langston notably became the first African-American lawyer in the state of Ohio. He went on to serve as the Dean of the Law Department and Vice President of Howard University. He's also remembered as the first American from Virginia to be elected to public office, specifically to the U.S. Congress. Anthony Benezet, I don't know if I keep saying that name wrong or not, sorry. Uh, A white Quaker, abolitionist and educator is credited with creating the first public school for African-American children in the early 1770s. After graduating from Oberlin College in 1850, a literary degree, Lucy Stanton became the first black woman in America to earn a four-year college degree. I'm sorry if that ran on. It sounded like those two facts were together, but they were not. Those were about two separate people. Martin Luther King Jr. (laughs) 
one of the only facts that I could find that I'm not even sure if anybody don't know is that he started as a freshman at Morehouse College at the age of 15. I knew that. Um, he was also one of our civil rights leader. He was, if I'm not mistaken, one of the first people to find found the Million Man March. Or I don't know if he started it or if he co-started it but my memory is that he started it um and they marched from Alabama if I'm not mistaken to Washington DC James McCoon Smith was the first African-American person to earn a medical degree he also started the First, oh, he also started the nation's first pharmacy under black ownership and was the first African American to have their work published in a peer reviewed medical journal. Next, after attending Bernard College, Lila Fenwick graduated from Harvard's law school in 1956 becoming the first african-american woman to graduate from the prestigious legal institution she also later studied at the london school of economics and worked at the united nations wow Hiram rhodes revels was sworn in as the first black u.s senator in 1870. guan guyan Blueford, sorry if I did not pronounce that right, became the first black person in space. Space, 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 space. <laughs> and would spend 688 hours there over the course of his career as an astronaut. All right. Dubbed hip hop's first godmother by Billboard, singer and music producer Sylvia Robinson produced the first ever commercial commercially successful rap record, Rapper's Delight, by the Sugar Hill Gang. Anybody who don't know that, I am so sorry for you because everybody who's anybody in the black community knows Rapper's Delight by Sugar Hill Gang. Okay. And I'm definitely going to totally play some at the end of the episode. <laughs> um, also, we have renowned singer and jazz pianist Nat King Cole from Chicago. The first black American to host a TV show, NBC's The Nat King Cole Show. I remember watching that or watching clips of it on um, Natalie Cole's special when she came out with her movie. Um, let's see who else we have here. Oh, yeah. In 1981, broadcast journalist Bryant Gumbel became the first black person to host a network morning show when he joined NBC Today's show. Also, we have 1940 Hattie McDaniel became the first black person to win an Oscar for her supporting role in Gone with the Wind. 24 years later, Sidney Poitier 
became the first black man to win an Oscar for his leading role. Um, I don't know what happened to the rest of that fact. But, uh, okay. Moving right along. Um... Right. (laughs) Madam C.J. Walker created a line of hair care products for African-American women, leading her to let her become the first female African-American self-made millionaire. There are now a Netflix series based upon her journey titled Self-Made. And I watched it. It was very good. Um, A computer scientist, Lisa Jalopter, assisted with the 1995 creation of a shockwave essential technology that led to development of web animation so we have her to thank for gifts (laughs) those little you know animes we use to make fun of things on social media yeah thank you girl agricultural science george carver was responsible for creating over 500 new products made from peanuts and sweet potatoes including cooking oils paint and soap That's very interesting because I honestly only knew about peanuts. Yeah. In 1960, Wilma Rudolph of Clarksville, Tennessee, won with the new Olympic, excuse me, uh, Olympic record time of 11.3 seconds in Rome with the new record time of 11. Wait, why did y'all put that on there twice? With 11.3 seconds in women's 100 meter dash in Rome. I guess I should have, in 1960, I guess I should have read that first before I read it out loud because I didn't even realize somebody made a typo there. They just typed it twice. So I said it twice. Disregard. <laughs> in 1908, after winning a, after winning the 4x400 meter relay, John Taylor became the first African American to win gold in the Olympics. And in 1948, Alice Coachman became the first black woman in the world to win an Olympic gold medal while competing in the high jump. Wowzer. Founded in 1984, the Bill Pickett Invitational Rodeo is the only touring African-American rodeo in the world. And if I'm not mistaken, they're still going. In 1920, Fritz Pollard and Bobby Marshall became the first black athletes to play in the NFL. Pollard was also the league's first black coach. George Coleman Poge became the first black person to earn a medal at the Olympics game in 1904. He was a hurdler. In 1996, Cheryl Swoops became the first player to sign with the WNBA with the league debuting a a year later. First published in 1936, the Negro Motorist Green Book was a comprehensive guide for black travelers about locations across America and eventually overseas that were that were either black owned or didn't engage in segregationists. I hope I said that correctly. Practice. The guide was printed for 30 years. It stopped publication in 1966, 2 years after the Civil Rights Act was passed. I think they should bring that back. <laughs> because even though they say we're not segregated, we are. 
We are. All right, continuing right along. The oldest black female Greek letter organization, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Inc., was founded at Howard University in 1908. Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Inc. Alpha, the first black male Greek letter organization, was founded in 1906 at Cornell University. Wow, I did not know that. I mean, I knew about the AKAs, but I didn't know about the Alpha Phi Alpha. Wow. Okay, learn something new every day, literally. <laughs> it's estimated that around 100,000 enslaved people escaped to the north via underground village from 1810 to 1850 with a help from one of our very own Harriet Tubman. In July 1777, Vermont became the first colony to ban slavery. Oh yeah, I got that one already. And that is all we have for today's episode. But before I go, I just want to play a few black history songs or a few history, a few songs from black history. Okay. I do not own the rights to any of this music, by the way. Thank you all for tuning in. Okay, because right now I also have a clip about all the females in black history music. All right, give me just a second. And this was public by Black Femininity TV two years ago.
Hip-hop first started off as just a culture and experience before the famous term was coined. It was shaped by African-Americans and Caribbean people living in the Bronx borough of New York City in the early 1970s. The neighborhood was riddled with street gangs and violent crimes, but music and block parties brought the community together. DJs were inspired by funk and disco music and started mixing hard soul songs by James Brown with blaring drums. They used breakdowns in songs to create new tunes. DJ Cool Herc popularized this technique, which would later be known as hip-hop. His block parties and park jams were extremely popular in the neighborhood, and other DJs followed his theme and threw their own parties. But there is a little-known fact that DJ Cool Herc's sister, Sydney Campbell, was actually the one who came up with the idea of a back-to-school block party in an effort to make money in 1973. Cindy produced and financed all of the parties, making her the first party promoter ever. To cut costs, she hired her brother to DJ the event, and together, the siblings would continue to throw street parties. Cindy managed her brother's career and later helped him land his first movie role in Beach Street. The jams attracted local street dancers, who Cool Herc started referring to as breakdancers, or for short, b-boys or b-girls. Master of Ceremonies, or MCs for short, spoke rhymes in between songs to hype up the audience before introducing the DJs. This technique would later be known as rapping. Before they knew it, the craze had spread across America to other predominantly black inner cities, and hip-hop became not only a genre, but also a culture. What most culture historians fail to mention is women were also DJing and throwing parties. Guys were forming their own hip-hop collectives, and so were women. In the mid to late 1970s, the first known all-female hip-hop collective was formed as the sister group of Grand Wizard Theodore and the L Brothers. The group called Mercedes Ladies was formed in 1976 and was made up of six teenage girls, two DJs, and four MCs by the names of DJ R.D. Smiley, DJ Baby D, Tracy T, Zena Z, Eva Def, and Sherry Cher. The all-female collective would throw their own parties, but the girls would soon be faced with challenges because of their gender. We were all from the Bronx and all from single-parent homes. We used to go to the corner store to watch Grandmaster Flash and all of them. At the time, we were really young, and we decided to form a female group. It was actually R.D., Lil B., Tracy T., and me. We would see the guys with females in their entourage, but we didn't really see no female empowerment. From the very beginning, the goal was to be independent and fly. We started going to parties, and we didn't want to be up under no males, but we had to think of a powerful name. Mercedes was a classic car, and we thought ladies was very powerful, so we came up with the name Mercedes Young Ladies. But it was a struggle. We were getting a lot of street popularity because we were putting our work in from corner to corner. Then they started setting up shows for us and everything, but we would never get paid. The promoters would pay the L Brothers and Grandmaster Flash, but when it was time to pay the Mercedes Ladies, we didn't get paid. We started going through managers until we were almost about to beat up the managers, end quote. Lady B released the first hip-hop recording ever by a female rapper, and Mercedes Ladies were featured on Donald D's recording of Don's Groove in the early 1980s.
1979, Sylvia Robinson founded Sugar Hill Records with her husband Joe as the first hip-hop record label, although most people would credit Russell Simmons' Def Jam as the first hip-hop label. She named the label after the Sugar Hill neighborhood of Harlem, which was a wealthy black neighborhood. Sylvia was a singer, songwriter, and record producer from Harlem, New York, a daughter of immigrants from St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands. In 1957, she recorded the R&B chart-topping song, Love is Strange, as part of the Mickey and Sylvia duo. In the 1960s, she focused most of her attention on writing and producing songs like It's Gonna Work Out Fine by Ike and Tina Turner which earned them their first Grammy Award nomination in 1962. In the late 60s, Sylvia and her husband Joe, who was a music executive, started their own record label, built their own recording studio, and built a popular black nightclub. Sylvia produced and penned many hits for her artists like Love on a Two-Way Street, By the Moments, and Shirley and Company's Shame, Shame, Shame. She also wrote and recorded her 1973 solo hit song, Pillow Talk, which reached number one on the R&B chart and number three on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. Sometime in the late 1970s, Sylvia was at a nightclub when she heard Lovebug Starsky rapping over the breakdown of Good Times by Sheik. her son Joey go around New Jersey looking for guys to rap a song for her. The three guys, Henry Big Bank Hank Jackson, Guy Master G O'Brien, and Michael Wonder Mike Wright came back to her studio where she instructed them to rap some rhymes written by Grandmaster Kaz along to the chic instrumental just like she had heard Starsky rapping at the nightclub and that's how the Sugar Hill Gang was born. Sylvia sent the 15-minute song titled Rapper's Delight to radio stations, and it was an instant hit. I'm the grandmaster with the three MCs that shop the house for the young ladies, and when you come inside... There has always been a lot of controversy surrounding Rapper's Delight and Sugar Hill Gang because real rappers in New York felt ripped off, and the composers of the chic song, Nile Rogers and Bernard Edwards, sued for copyright infringement. They were later awarded writing credits. Grandmaster Kaz said they weren't real MCs. They were a group put together to showcase the music going on. Rapper's Delight was the first commercial hit. My apologies, you guys. Uh, we had a charger issue. I did not charge my tablet, so I couldn't finish recording the rest of that episode. But you guys get the gist of it. The first female rappers. No one talks about a history of women in hip-hop. If you want to finish listening to that recording, it is on YouTube uh, called Black Femininity TV. And I would like to give them all the credits for that. Uh, Five minutes or six or seven minutes I recorded using. um, I did not... On that, I did not get any permission to use that, so I hope I don't get any trouble for that. But if you want to listen to that, I highly, highly, highly encourage y'all to go on YouTube to the Black Femininity TV and subscribe, okay? I have never said this about anybody else's YouTube channel or platform whatsoever. I just came across it a couple days ago, and I thought it would be a perfect ending to this episode about Black history. So, 
Y'all have a good night. Thank you for tuning in. Again, this is your girl, Chicago Sam Fox, a.k.a. The Fox Simone. Hit us up on Instagram, um, the What Does The Fox Say podcast. Peace.